Successful Performer Cast, Episode 57. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening to another episode of Successful Performer Cast, the show that interviews full time professional entertainers to inspire you, our listeners. This episode is brought to you by Josh London's Click, Convert, Profit and his book Flying Solo, The Smart Solopreneur's Guide to Making Money Online. Visit www.clickconvertprofit.com slash performercast to get $10 off and for my listeners only, the free ebook, Four Ways to Find Your Most Profitable Keywords. Now, let's get to the interview. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show the amazing Allison Campbell, who is considered to be corporate America's leading female mentalist and infotainer. Allison has performed in virtually all types of venues, including uh, as a magical bartender at America's top chef, Rick Moonin's RM Seafood at Mandalay Bay, and many appearances on national TV and radio. She's also a world-class mentalist, spokesmodel, and presenter for corporate applications working with and breaking sales records for dozens of Fortune 500 companies like Microsoft, Cisco, SanDisk, and Dell Wise. In addition to this, Allison has lectured on the business side of magic, and mentalism, being the first woman to lecture at Mindvention, and the only person to be asked back to lecture for two consecutive years. Amazing Allison, I am absolutely thrilled to have you as a guest on the Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here today. Absolutely, Chris. It's my pleasure, and I'm absolutely honored to be invited. Hey, thank you. So let's uh, start off with a little bit of inspiration here. Do you have a favorite success quote or a specific mantra that you live by? I do, actually. Um, one of my favorite quotes that I actually do live by is uh, Henry Ford. Mm -hmm. He said, obstacles are those frightful things that you see when you take your eyes off your goal. Mm. And that, that really resounds with me because, you know, honestly, if, if you keep your mind on your goals, then anything is possible. You know, don't let, don't let what you think could stop you hold you down. Yeah, yeah. And whenever you are in the in the middle of of uh trying to press forward and 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 really try and make a breakthrough in your business, it's really easy to look up and look around you, you know? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, especially with up and up and coming performers, you know, they see all these other performers and they see them as obstacles and they see them as competition and and you know, honestly, it's it's not the it's not the case at all. Yeah. These aren't these aren't your obstacles, you know, look at your goal, face your goal and just get there. Mm -hmm. You know, and the rest of the stuff it it just, they just become peers. Everything yeah. else is not important. Yeah, yeah. Could you give us a specific example of uh, an instance where you were really just keeping your your um, your mindset forward and, and your nose to the grindstone and, and how that helped you uh, out in a specific area in your business or performance? Um, let's see. Actually, yes, there's a um, there was a company in particular with with trade shows and corporate events a lot of the times. Everything goes by um, introductions and networking with other companies while you're actually at a trade show. Mm -hmm. And I 
always walk the floor and I introduce myself to all these different companies. And obviously, the larger the company, the more difficult it is to get in with that company. Well, I happened to come across a company that um, was quite large mm -hmm. and just out of the blue asked for the marketing manager, was introduced to them. And they, you know, they were very skeptical. They were very, you know, very standoffish and guarded. And I happened to ask them, well, you know, just it, off the top of your head, how many shows do you think you do per year? Their answer, Chris, was 500. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now this is obviously what you would call a whale and somebody that you would really, really like to get a contract with. Yeah. <laughs> so I did a little bit of mentalism for them right then and there, and the marketing woman liked it so much that she actually called her marketing director, which is her boss. He came over, and I did some more mentalism for him, and they fell in love with it. And they said, you know, I don't know how, but we're going to try and figure out a way to use you at one of our shows as a test. Mm -hmm. Well, I courted them for probably a good year. And, you know, I just kept in touch, kept in touch. And I really didn't let the fact that they were so big and they did so many shows. And, you know, they had such a huge budget with everything they did get in my way. You yeah. know, I understand that I'm just one person. And along with my husband as my partner, you know, we were two people that just walked up to them randomly. We weren't introduced. We weren't referred. I didn't let any of that bother me. Mm -hmm. I just kept at it. And sure enough, we got our first show. And we actually were told by the top boss there that we had the largest crowd and the most leads generated in the last 25 years of their business. <laughs> so... We, we put them on the map, and we yeah. are now their go-to people for all their shows. Obviously, we won't be doing 500. We'll be doing specific select tier one events, but very, very successful. And it was all because of the fact I didn't take my eye off the prize. Yeah, wow. Is that a, a uh, recent uh, development for you guys? or? It was. Well, it's about um, a year. Okay. About a year ago. It's um, I started courting them about a year and a half ago, so it's been almost eight months now that uh, – that we've been working with them. Okay. Now I'm curious, what, what did the, the courting process look like? I mean, was it just shooting emails to the people or, you know, maybe you find a, an interesting article or something that they might be interested in? Uh, cause I, I'd imagine you want to stay top of mind with them, you know? Oh, absolutely. The thing is out of sight, out of mind. So mm -hmm. you have to remember constantly to just pepper yourself into their lives. Um, I use social media and I put in, you know, for LinkedIn is a fantastic social media and I use LinkedIn quite often. And the thing is that a lot of people will post things about business and things about, you know, uh, different articles that they like. Well, I've, I connect with these people with a certain company so mm -hmm. that they are on my LinkedIn. They see what I'm posting and I'll post famous quotes. I'll post in, in, you know, inspirational material, stuff that really resounds with them and resonates with them. Sure. Yeah. And they'll always like, they, they always like it, you know, and that kind of develops that I'm in your mind set. Mm -hmm. um, once I do that, I also message them, I would say maybe once a month just to say hello, remind them, let them know of any um, up and coming shows that we'll be at. We hope to see you there. Mm -hmm. uh, I also put out a, um, I guess you'd call it a just an informational sheet every once in a while. I'd say every two months. I'd send them something about how to improve your booth presence or how to improve your um, and maximize 
your presence at your next trade show. And these are just things that I've actually talked about during any of my lectures, yeah. but on the uh, actual trade show marketing side of how to make sure that you have enough people in front of your booth, different ways you can gather people in front of your booth, different ways you can generate leads, what to always make sure you have in the back closet of your booth so that your presenters don't have to leave your booth. Just stuff like that that's helpful information, helpful little tidbits. Mm -hmm. And they're so appreciative for these things that they keep you in mind constantly. And they'll actually write you back and say, oh, I really love that sheet that you just sent me. Thank you so much. We're definitely going to incorporate that into all of our shows. And sooner or later, you know, they start saying, well, you know, let's start doing some phone calls. Uh, we've got our planning schedule for the next quarter coming up. I'd like to have you involved. Give us your give us your input. Give us what your thought process is if these are our goals. Mm -hmm. And there you have it. Then I'm in planning with their shows, and they say, okay, this is the show we're going to start you at. Then you go from there. You start working right after that show. Okay, so you're you're basically kind of keeping an ongoing dialogue uh, with them. Um, in sending these things and then they're responding back. So you have engagement there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're constantly in front of them. Now, do you just kind of keep the ball rolling in, in that respect and then you wait for them to come and, and start working with you specifically? Or do you ever um, periodically kind of, uh, you know, ask for the sale um, intermittently in, in these uh, communications with them? I've actually never asked for a sale. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to kind of lead the conversation mm -hmm. okay. in that direction because the thing is with clients, you always want them to believe that it's their idea Yeah, because then you can praise them for having such a great idea. <laughs> and it is, it's a fantastic idea to hire us because mm -hmm. we are that good. And I, you know, I don't mean to sound um, egotistical in any way, but sure. the thing is that our results are what give us our reputation mm -hmm. and with any kind of conversation that I have with my clients, I always just happen to mention, you know, if let's just say, for example, the show was a, a show called Cisco Live that happens every year and it's in San Diego. It's a huge show. It's, I mean, people spend millions on just a spot to set up their stuff. Millions. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'll be on the conversation with them on the phone and I'll happen to mention, oh, by the way, you know, I happen to notice that Cisco Live is coming up. Will you guys be attending that show? And that pops into their head. Oh, yeah. You know, actually, we are. We're going to have quite a big booth, and there's going to be a theater there. Have you been booked yet? Mm. So, you know, I actually haven't. What a great idea. I would love to work with you guys. <laughs> so it's their idea. I just put the thought in their head, yeah. which is pretty much what a mentalist does. Pretty anyway. much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's just taking that to a business sense instead of just entertainment. Okay. Well, awesome, awesome. So let's uh, let's kind of um, take things back uh, a little bit here, and I, I was wondering if if you could uh, maybe talk about like your early days in in magic and kind of how you um, you know started performing professionally. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I actually um, growing up, I'll tell you this right off the bat. Um, I actually hated magic. Hmm. I hated it. My sister, I, I have I have four sisters and three brothers. You know, we grew up in, uh, you know, not the best area of Washington State. And uh, my sister loved magic. She loved Houdini, everything about Houdini. And she would just, you know, everything magic. And I was the kind of the rebel. So I didn't find anything impressive. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't like deception at all, you know. But um, my father, he had a very unique position with the Navy. And he would teach me 
techniques for lie detection and body language and facial tics and stuff like that on how to read people. Mm -hmm. And I picked up on it very fast. And that was the only skill that I really developed out of reading somebody. Well, skip ahead when I'm 24, my um, now husband, I met him and he noticed that I had these abilities and he said, you know, have you ever heard of mentalism? And I said, no. And he started teaching me mentalism and I started studying everything and blew up into a full-blown mentalist. I still had a job, which was bartending. Mm -hmm. So I decided one day to start incorporating my mentalism that I had learned into my bartending. And the clients loved it. They would stay longer. They would buy more drinks. They would tip higher. Yeah. And my management started to notice. And I said, well, what is it that you're doing? You know, I, I keep on getting compliments. We've had calls to know when the mentalist is coming into work. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I explained to him what I did. I did a couple of things for management. And I said, okay, we're going to put you on the best shifts, the most busiest times. And we want you to do exactly what you're doing. But we want you to also hit some of the tables. You know, the higher end tables, we want you to hit some of them. Um, all the tips that I received were my own. I didn't share my tips with anybody and uh, it, it became quite lucrative. And that was actually at um, a restaurant called Landry's. It was, mm -hmm. It's a very well-known um, franchise um, owned by the Fertitas. And um, Landry's absolutely loved the concept. I was there for two years. And then I got a call from uh, Rick Moonen's, uh, America's Top Chef. It's called RM Seafood. Yep. at Mandalay Bay, and they had mentioned how they heard about what I did, and they would like to know if I'd like to come work with them as a magic bartender. Well, of course, you want to move up in the world, so if, absolutely. I started working with Rick Moonen, and Rick Moonen was fantastic. He loves magic. Uh, I was the official magic bartender, and it became extremely lucrative, but because of the fact it was in Mandalay Bay, I'm noticing that there were so many conventions coming through there. The majority of Clients that would come in there worked at the conventions. Mm -hmm. A lot of marketing people, a lot of events people. So from that, I would get business card after business card. Hey, you know, we're having a show. You you should come and work for us. So I, I actually started networking out of the bar with trade show professionals that would hand me their cards just from doing a simple mentalism effect and serving them a drink at the same time. You know, and that that's really the one thing that I focus on during my lectures is you never know who your next boss is going to be. Yeah. And, you know, luckily for me at that point, I wasn't quite segueing into trade shows. So I still had that job. So I had that check security. But this was a fantastic way to start my building blocks, start my foundation to go into full time performing. Wow. Yeah, that's that's amazing, because, I mean, usually uh, when you're when you're talking about restaurant or, or bar magic, you know, I mean, for what I did was I, I um, you know, worked on material and stuff before I uh, actually started approaching restaurants and stuff. And you just kind of incorporated it into what you were doing at the bar over at uh, uh, Landry's, I think you said. Yes. And it, it was really kind of an organic kind of uh, progression for you. And it, it, it really was. seemed to work out really well. It was, I don't know if it was luck or coincidence or fate, but yeah. absolutely, it really did. It just, it was so organic and it just, it was fluid. Mm -hmm. it, it was like it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at the time, uh, was Brian kind of your mentor? Or? Oh, absolutely. Brian okay. Brian has been my my biggest fan, my mentor. He has been my biggest supporter. Yeah. Um, and he really does, he, he sees the highest 
level of potential for me. And I, I still haven't gotten there yet. I know that I've got a long way to go. And he has every, every day he sends me new information about anything that I could possibly learn. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the thing. It's not always magic and mentalism books. And, you know, it, you have to look at the business side of everything. You learn about sales. You learn about, you know, reading people. You learn about sales techniques of, you know, how to um, persuade people during a sales conversation, yeah. how to pitch people. You learn about how to write proposals, how to write legal contracts. There's so many aspects to being a professional business entertainer that you can't just focus on the magic mm-hmm. you know and he he really has taught me every side of this business there could possibly be you know um he actually put out something through penguin magic it was called the uh, big b and small s yep. and it's an it's a lecture <laughs> it's there's like a hundred a hundred different videos and they were 100 percent free to any entertainer and he goes over everything that he taught me and I would highly recommend that to everybody because he he really did. He he has inspired me and he has made me into who I am today. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll actually link to that uh, um, the that video series in the show notes uh, so that our listeners can go there and check that out as well. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, they'll definitely get a lot of information out of them. Yeah. In fact, if they go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Big B Small S, it'll take them right to the landing page on uh, – um, wait, wait, did you say that's uh, YouTube videos or um, – oh, no, yes. it, it was I Penguin. It's on YouTube. Uh, I know that Penguin Magic also um, – they were the ones that produced it. Okay, okay. I don't know if it's still on Penguin, but it's definitely on YouTube now. So should I link to the YouTube Probably the YouTube one. Okay, yes. so it, it'll take them to the YouTube. Awesome. And by the way, I I haven't uh, I haven't gotten in touch with him yet, but I'm also going to try and get Brian on my show as well. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic! I'm sure he'd love to do it. Awesome. So now, since since uh, since we're talking a little bit about uh, your husband and and him being a. Um, uh, your your mentor and stuff early on. Could you talk about maybe some of the the challenges and what it's like working with your husband? Oh, absolutely. Um, so when Brian and I started actually working together doing trade shows, mm-hmm. um, the very first trade show that I was hired for this was right after I uh, I was still bartending. I was still doing my magic bartending, and this was kind of my test trade show. It just so happened to be for a huge company called Cisco. (laughs) So you really don't want to mess up. And um, it was a large show and he pulled me aside and he said, okay, listen, he said, make sure that you understand this. Mm -hmm. When we work together, I am not your boyfriend. At the time he was my boyfriend. He says, I am your boss. He said, what I say, you're going to have to listen to me because I know what I'm doing. He said, and I make professionals. He said, do not get offended if I yell at you, because if I'm yelling at you, you're doing something wrong. He said, just make sure you do everything right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was the thing is that as he told me before several times, he said that he can be, I won't use the word, but he, he can be a very um, tough guy to work with. Yeah. You know, but if you do everything right, then he'll be your best friend. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that really does, he pushes you to your limit. You know, he pushes you past what you thought was your limit. And you really strive and you really bloom even further because you never thought you can go that far. You know, um, he, he dissects everything. So especially when I'm on stage, um, he'll watch from the back and he will tell me, oh, you didn't walk the stage enough. You know what? You didn't hold that 
that notebook high enough. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you actually, my first, my very first show, it was, why on earth would you turn your back on the audience? Oh no. <laughs> I learned that one very quick. Yeah. <laughs> Never, ever turn your back on the audience. But, you know, even through his, um, his critique, you learn to separate it. You learn to separate business from your personal life. And mm-hmm. there's, when we're together, when we're on the trade show floor, there's no PDA. There's no, yeah. uh, as you would say, public display of affection. Majority of people don't even know that we're married. Um, I get asked all the time. You know, majority of people always say, you know, so do you guys just work together or do you just travel <laughs> together? But we never go into it because it's it's not really part of who we are. Sure. However, yeah. we've actually developed something that's, I think, 100 percent unique to us is a lot of companies love it that we have this banter that we do back and forth when we both are on stage at the same time. Uh, we might be doing um, something where it, re- it requires us both to be on stage, um, whether it be you know, a short long rope or a rope escape or a suit jacket escape or one of my mentalism effects where he needs to hold the board. Mm-hmm. Well, we developed this banter where he's constantly cutting me off while I'm on the microphone. He'll interrupt because he's on the microphone and he wants to steal the stage. He wants to steal the spotlight. And I have to kind of over over talk him and I get frustrated and the whole audience thinks that like, wow, is he really being this rude to her? And then they catch on that it's part of the act and they love it. They eat it up because they think to themselves, wow, my wife is the same way or my husband is the same way. You know, I can't ever get a a word in edgewise. So it, it became part of our persona. And one of our companies we worked for for five years, they had no idea that we were affectionate at all until we went to a corporate dinner and we'd been working for them for five years and we happened to actually kiss for the very first time um, in front of these people and the president CEO stopped the entire table of 30 something people he goes Allison Brian I have never seen you kiss before you know and it was the shocking thing to this whole group of people because we we do we know exactly how to separate business and personal life. And yeah, it's, we've been doing it for so many years now that it, it works well. You know, we, I don't take anything he says personal and he does not take anything I say personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I I was watching, uh, I I guess your, your promo video on your website and I, I I just thought it was really cool to see the two of you up on stage, you know, and, uh, just, I mean, because you, you you told me that you two are married, and I, I think it's just a, an an awesome and a amazing thing. Because you you don't really see that that much. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You don't. I mean, there there used to be a couple of of teams, but mm-hmm. you know they weren't really married. These these people were uh, partners. You know, they they did. I mean, Focusing and Willard was a great great team. Yeah. But you don't see very many of them anymore. You know, and we could never replace Focusing and Willard, but. At the same time, you know, we strive to do something a little bit different with the way that we interact. But at the same time, we separate each other. He can have his own show and just rock it. You know, mm-hmm. he's a fantastic performer. And I can do the same exact thing. Yeah. So I, he's not my crutch. I'm not his crutch, which yep. is fantastic. But when <laughs> we do work together, we're, we're in sync completely. Yeah. Awesome. So, Allison, what what are what have been some of the challenges that you've personally encountered being a female mentalist? Um, honestly, Chris, the most horrible encounter that I happen to see on a day, you know, any time that I go to a magic convention, a mentalism convention, mostly the mentalism convention, is that I am not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the first couple of times I've I went to my invention. Um, 
a lot of the mentalists would kind of look at me kind of snarky. Yeah. Um, they look down on me. They're like, oh, look, you know, the little girl's trying to learn something, you know, and it, it, it didn't really bother me because you never know who it is and what somebody has, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't see the kind of talent that I had until I performed. Yeah. And then they realized, oh, okay, yeah, she knows, she knows a couple of things. <laughs> she and got some chops. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, but they still didn't quite get it. And they still thought, well, you know, I'm better. And, you know, it, it really is a boys club. It really is. And that's magic and minimalism. The girls mm. belong in the boxes. The girls belong, you know, as the assistants. They don't think the girls belong as the performers, the main the main character. And I've really had to push past that and let them know that, no, sorry, you know, I'm here to stay. I'm not mm. going anywhere. You know, and uh, when I did my first lecture, it was in uh, 2011 at Mindvention, and it was a sold-out room. It was 100% packed. There was It was standing room only. And afterwards, I sold out of every single effect and lecture note that I had. And I was asked right then and there, right after my lecture, would you please come back next year? Yeah. Which was really an honor because that has never been done in the history of my invention. And I had so many different mentalists after that shaking my hand and introducing themselves and asking me, oh, well, what do you think about this effect? Or what do you think about this? And it really became the door, you know, open to the mentalism community where they were like, okay, she's one of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, uh, what specifically did you lecture on there? I'm curious. I actually, I actually my, uh, my first lecture was called the do's and don'ts of corporate mentalism. Mm-hmm. And it was basically focusing on what you would do and what you don't do involved with corporate entertainment and trade shows versus your regular state show and your County fair shows. And it, it kind of incorporated around the fact that, um, you know, many, Performers want to get into trade shows, but they don't know how. Yeah. So I kind of opened that door for them and gave them the how tos, what don't, what not to do, to make sure that you don't do, so that you actually keep going in this field. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there was quite a few people that really want to get into trade shows. Unfortunately, they just, they just don't know how to do it. So I, I gave them an hour long lecture, and during that lecture, they all you see them all taking notes and they were just very very thankful that somebody actually spoke on that yeah and my second lecture just went into um the following year it kind of segued off of that and went into okay well this is how you're going to get clients how to keep clients and how to um branch out and network from those clients to get more clients mm-hmm. and they love that lecture as well you know the the business side of performing is not really touched on very often yeah, in the absolutely. community. Everything's about performance. You know, I can see a double undercut all day, but how many clients do you have? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you can't just focus on the magic. And that, that's really what my, my lectures are about is the opposite side. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, show business, business is the bigger word, right? <laughs> that is true. That is, com- that is completely accurate there. Absolutely. So do you, do you still have uh, lecture notes that are um, available from these or? Absolutely. Um, I do. Anybody that is interested in my lecture notes, they can email me and I'd be more than happy to uh, to send them a copy. They're for sale at uh, Denny and Lee Magic. Okay. Um, they're for sale on my website as well if you email me there. Um, and I'm actually going to be doing a third lecture note um, coming up actually. I just finished it. And it's basically on how to handle hecklers and what to do when things go wrong. Nice. Oh, yeah. All right. Because <laughs> we've all had something go wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and speaking of that, uh, could you maybe tell us about a specific uh, something that went wrong? Um, some people might call it a failure moment or or a teaching moment. Something that we could all learn from. Oh, absolutely. Um, I will. I will say that I believe that there's no such thing as failure. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That, um, I believe that failure is actually just you learning something. There's no such thing as failure. If it doesn't work, that means that now you know that that's not how you do it. You learn something new. Uh, however, <laughs> on that note, uh, there was a show that did not go how I had planned. Mm-hmm. And it was my largest show, um, 8,000 people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A large show. Huge company. And unfortunately, it, th- this was done in L.A. It was the Nokia Center. Uh, mm-hmm. We're out of Las Vegas, so we had to rent trucks because there was an illusion show involved with the mentalism show. Um, it was five effects. That's it. 20 minutes. And um, we had to drive out from Las Vegas to LA. We had to rent some trucks and bring everything out. I had to have two assistants. So I had to hire and train two assistants. I had to have a DJ. Mm-hmm. I had to have 15 promotional girls. Uh, so it, w- it was a very large show. And I gave them a perfect rider. Brian set up every single moment of the show. The company manager signed off on it and said, oh, this is going to be fantastic. We were going to be magically producing two of their keynote speakers. And we get there at uh, approximately four in the morning to the Nokia Center because we had to set up everything. Mm -hmm. The stage was literally just a riser. There was no backdrop. There was no black art. There was there was nothing. It was just a riser in the middle of what looked like a giant parking lot. And so... We were, okay, how are we supposed to do these vanishes if we have nowhere to vanish? Yeah. So, you know, I, I at first I was like, okay, maybe they just haven't set it up yet. And we try to find the person that we had signed our contract with. And all of a sudden, there's a gentleman that introduces himself. And he says, oh, I'm the producer of the show. And we're like, what? The management decided to pass on the production, which was Brian's my partner's um, job mm-hmm. of this show to somebody called their own production person. And he decided that he was going to change the show three hours before the show started. Wow. He, I ha- I, I'm sure everybody is familiar with the master master prediction where it's the box that hangs mm-hmm. above Chris Angel's done it. So many people have done it. It's a fantastic ender. Well, in the writer, it says I need somewhere to hang this box. There was nowhere to hang the box in the middle of this giant parking lot. There was no crane. There was nothing to hang the box. So do you know what we had to do, Chris? We had to use an IV pole to hang our box off of. It looked so ridiculous and made us look so bad. Yeah. He said, well, you know, they hired me to make sure everything goes well with the show. And this is what I want you to do. And this is what I want you to do. And we just kind of, we were set back. Like, wait a minute. Okay, this is this is our show. We put this together. We have this signed off on. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Well, I said, well, we need to get this backdrop done. We need to get this done. And we also need these keynote speakers to be here to practice. One of the keynote speakers was going to be put into a tip-over trunk. Mm-hmm. So he needs to know how to be in there, how to stay down low, you know, when they tip yeah. and everything like that. It is something you need to practice at least once or twice. And the other one was going to be wraparound vanish. So mm-hmm. he needs to practice as well. Well, you know, the guys don't like getting up this early. Ugh. 
and they really don't have time. You know, they, they're a little hungover from the night before. Oh, my gosh. Chris, they came in 15 minutes before the show. I had maybe three minutes to show them these routines. Three minutes. And one of them would complain about being in the box. Well, my back hurts. You know, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, it, it was just so incredible. We lost complete control of the show. And it it really affected the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producer decided that it was very important to keep checking my microphone every five minutes. And I don't know if you're familiar with wireless microphones, yeah. but you checking your microphone every five minutes drains your battery a little bit. Well, the show starts off. It's 20 minutes. It's only a 20 minute long show. Five minutes into the show. Got the audience pumped up. The audience is going crazy. My microphone dies in front of 8,000 people. The show must go on, as everybody's aware. However, how do you speak in front of 8,000 people? (laughs) Yeah. As best as you can. I'm still talking. I'm trying to keep the audience engaged, but they're refusing to bring me another microphone. It took probably three minutes to get them to bring me another microphone. So, see, the the difference is with a comedy show, with a comic, you have an hour you know, the first 15 minutes, maybe if you don't get the audience, you can get them in the next half hour. If you have a 20-minute show and you get you, you lose them in five minutes, you can't get them back. Mm-hmm. So that would be considered, I think, my worst show ever. Because, wow. you know, the one thing that we learned was never lose control of your show. You're the professional. Uh, you know, um, a very good friend of mine, Banachek, he, he's a wonderful, wonderful mentor as well. And he, he told it to me years ago. He said, listen, he said, you're the professional in this, in this field. He said, you want to let, you want to take over for a mechanic and say, well, I think you should do this. Mm-hmm. He said, so never lose control of your show. And it's so true. It really is. You're the professional in this field. Make sure you stay the professional. You're the one that needs to be in charge of it. Yeah, yeah. Could you tell our audience uh, some steps that you you take today to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen anymore? It's all about your contract now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Honestly, if you do not have your contract worded correctly, they can bring in their own producer. They'll have somebody oversee your work. And it's fine if somebody wants to oversee, but I'm the one that makes the decisions. And I've learned to put my foot down. Um, If somebody says, well, you know, I think we should do this. I just say, oh, I appreciate your opinion. However, I've been doing this a little bit longer than you, mm-hmm. and I believe that this would be the best way to do this. You know, or you know, in some cases, I just say, "Really, how long have you been a mentalist?" <laughs> and they kind of laugh, you know, and they say, "Okay, I get it, I get it." You know, so it, it's really about reading your your whoever's your next client and finding out and making sure that they realize that you're the professional. And once you let them know that, you have to hold on to that. If mm-hmm. you give them back the reins then they're going to take the reins and they're going to lead you. And then your shows are never going to be your maximum potential. Yeah, yeah. Before we continue, here is a quick word from our sponsor. Google AdWords, Facebook ads, Twitter, and what about Pinterest and SEO? Sound familiar? In Flying Solo, Josh London shows you how to manage all the essentials for running a small business in today's online world. From search engine optimization strategies to pay-per-click tactics, your website and social media, you'll learn how to keep from pulling your hair out while increasing your profits. As successful PerformerCast listeners, you get to take $10 off of this book and get a free bonus ebook 
called Four Ways to Find Your Most Profitable Keywords. Visit clickconvertprofit.com slash performercast to take advantage of this great offer. And now let's get back to our interview. Now, didn't um, wasn't the, the contract for that particular show, didn't, uh, didn't it seem like all the T's were crossed and I's dotted on that as well? We thought so, and we went through the entire contract. It said that, you know, this is how it was going to go. This is the entire show, how it would be, you know, uh, effect after effect and where the girls were going to stand. We did an entire PowerPoint. We marked the entire stage. And during the show, the producer would get on the um, the intercom system, the uh, walkie-talkie system, and have the stagehands change things. Yeah. So there's nothing you can do when it's that you know, you're in the middle of performing. Uh, even even the um, when I needed to vanish out of the wraparound, I was supposed to vanish. The stagehand was supposed to lift up the curtain and, you know, help me down with um, at least a step stool because it's about a four and a half foot drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no stagehand was there. I literally <laughs> had to roll underneath the carpet and I fell four and a half feet onto the concrete. Oh, my gosh. Uh, halfway through, the producer decided, you know, I don't think we should play any music anymore. And he snuck up behind my DJ that was playing the entire show music that we had that was incorporated for each effect, and he told him to turn off the music. So these are things that you want to have control of. So Mm -hmm. when you have your contract, the best thing I can tell people, make sure that in the contract it states that no decisions are made before they go through and are approved by yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, it would be one of the show pros um, individuals, you know, one of the show pros associates, because if it does not state that, then they are technically able to help you coerce in the show and say, well, I want you to go this way. I want you to do this. You know, we are the ones paying you and this is what we're paying you for. And you don't you don't want that. You don't want to be the puppet. You know, you're the performer, not the puppet. And just that little bit of wording really helps. And. Other than that, just make sure that you have that kind of confidence that they realize that you can do this on your own. You mm-hmm. don't need their help. You've done this before. And they'll leave you alone. Yeah. All of our clients now, they honestly, they'll leave the booth at the trade show. They, they literally like, you know, I'm going to go have lunch and then I think I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> because they know that we'll handle the entire booth. Yep. You know, they, they've seen our work. They've seen the results. So... Once you prove to them once that you can do it, then you have free reign. You know, they've got the confidence in you that you deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Allison, could you tell us what your favorite success is? You might laugh at this. My favorite success is actually also that show. Okay. which Which is kind of funny. But the reason why is... The company was Microsoft, which, as you know, is just a giant company. And Mm -hmm. Microsoft has thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people working for them. They have thousands of marketing people alone. So that's a lot of different avenues and areas of events. Well, they're based out of uh, Redmond, Washington. And I happen to be from Washington, but we live in Las Vegas. Well, we were going up to Washington because we were going to be engaged. And so this is the very first time Brian was going to meet my parents. So mm-hmm. he's already nervous. You know, he's, he's not too familiar with Washington State. And 
um, the day before we were going to meet with my parents and he was going to propose to me, he said, hey, isn't Microsoft up here? And I said, yeah, it's, it's in Redmond. You know, it's not too far away. He said, oh, let's, let's go up there. Let's, uh, let's just go say hi to Microsoft. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has no boundaries. You know, the thing is, he lives by the mantra, you know, you never know how far you've gone until you've gone too far. Yeah. So we drove up to Redmond and we knocked on Microsoft's door. And we walk in and we say, well, we're here to uh, actually introduce ourselves to one of your events person. We'd love to uh, work with you. And he just gave a small little 30-second elevator pitch. And we got an appointment made right then and there with one of their events people. You know, and getting into a company like that takes, as, as you know, a long time usually. Well, he was bold. We, wa- we went up a couple of floors. They had to do like this whole security screening and we had to have these badges on. And, you know, it, w- it was pretty intense. You know, you felt like there was like all these cameras and gunmen on you at all times. Well, we get into this office and the lady was very nice. And she says, well, you know, we don't really hire, you know, outside people. We've got a list of vendors. And, she, you know, so I, I said, well, let me just show you a couple of things. I did two effects. And I actually got the woman swearing. She was swearing in the middle of this office. All these people were standing up thinking, what's going on over there? She was so impressed with what I did. She said, okay, I'm having this event, 8,000 people. It was our largest event, and we did it just on a whim while we were getting engaged. And when I say our largest event, I'm talking that 20-minute show, Chris, paid us nearly $60,000. Wow. For a 20-minute act. It was five effects. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So it was definitely my my highest success being able to say, oh, yeah, we just knocked on the door at Microsoft, you know, this multi-billion dollar company. We knocked on the front door and got sixty thousand dollars. You know, so I mean, that was that was truly an amazing accomplishment. No, the show did not go the way that we wanted it to. And that was also our biggest upset. But at the same time, it was a huge learning experience. And. It also proved to us that we can achieve exactly what we did with this show. You know, mm-hmm. we can go after those big companies because we we know we're worthy of it. So, absolutely, that would that would also be considered my biggest success. Yeah, I'm uh, picking up a little bit of feedback here. Could you turn your speakers down just a little bit? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, I was hearing myself in in my ears here. So, I, I you know. One of the things that I think is really interesting after having interviewed so many people is how many of of uh of my guests have had their their uh their failure moment and their and their uh favorite success moment be the same thing you know and i I think it's really cool that uh, you can take both the the good and the bad and not not necess- not necessarily take it but you can see the good things in, in something as well, you know, out of something that, uh, was really challenging or, or, uh, something super unexpected like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the caterpillar and the butterfly, you know, the caterpillar Mm -hmm. is absolutely, you know, considered an ugly thing, but eventually it turns into something beautiful. So you have to see both sides, Yeah. you know, and even though that was a horrific experience, you know, I honestly, I, we felt so ashamed of our performance because it was altered so much that we couldn't perform to our maximum potential. But at the same time, you have to take a step back and look from different angles and say, okay, well, think about it. This was our largest show. We achieved this by knocking on somebody's front door, you know, on a whim. And it proves that we can do this again, Mm -hmm. you know? And the thing is, if you've done it once, you can do it again. 
And that's what you focus on. Yeah. Say, okay, who's next? Yep. Don't don't let that stop you. Don't let that, you know, get scare you away and say, oh my goodness, I'm going to go hide in a shell now because I didn't do my show correctly. No, you did everything correct. Somebody else messed up your show, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So the fault isn't on you completely, but it is a learning experience. Don't lose control. Yeah, you know? yeah. So absolutely, I can look at both sides and we do that with every single performance. We can find negative in every single performance and we'll find the positive. Even if you think your show went 100% perfect, my father told me this when I was young and I still use it today. There is always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. So even if you think you're 100% perfect, find something that you can change. Yeah. Are you guys still doing work with Microsoft? Absolutely. Awesome. Yes, we We're still doing work with Microsoft and um, that they've hired us for multiple shows. So we're very happy about that. And I'd imagine they've gotten a little easier to work with. <laughs> yes, they have. And there is no longer any other producer but us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so how do you guys differentiate yourselves from, from other performers in the corporate arena? Do you have a unique selling point? Um, well, myself, obviously me being a female is a very unique selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the fact that I usually, I do most of the connecting now with different companies. I do most of the business side. Um, once, once Brian taught me, he kind of passed on, you know, he passed the torch on to me to see how I did. And, um, I've been doing most of the connecting and just introducing myself as a female mentalist, a female trade show presenter and infotainer. Yeah. Uh, it really perks clients ears and it's something new to them because they see the trade floor full of men in their tuxedos and their men in their suits and they're doing their magic. You know, there, there are quite a few there. I would say there's probably seven professional trade show magicians slash mentalists that are constantly working that we see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're out there, but they never see a woman yeah. at all. So it's like, wow, you know, that that's very unique because the three things that draw people to a trade show booth the most is a celebrity, what they call a booth babe Mm -hmm. or a magician. So I've incorporated two into one, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to say that I'm a booth babe, but (laughs) you know, I, I am considered an attractive female, but I'm also the entertainer. So I've incorporated both in one. So they're getting kind of a two for one package Mm -hmm. and they really, really like that. Yeah, and now, I'd imagine there's some celebrity about you as well, so triple threat. Absolutely. Now there is. <laughs> there is definitely some celebrity status. Uh, they've seen me on television a few times, and they've uh, they've heard about me. They Google me, and they're like, wow, this this girl, she's she's well-known. Mm-hmm. You know, so they do. I mean, they put posters up of me, and they say, now presenting at this booth, you know, and what when I'll be up next. And so I, I do get a little bit of a celebrity status, too, so that's really nice. And as a team, Brian and myself, um, the unique thing that I think really gives us that kind of attention is two things. One, our very unique banter that we do back and forth that is all word of mouth. Um, one company will notice it from across the hall and they say, wow, that, that really works. These people mm-hmm. are loving it, you know, or the other company, the company we're working for will actually tell some of their partners and say, you know, these people, they were just insane. You know, they got up on our stage and they still, I thought they were fighting. I almost came up and told them to stop or brought one of them down, you know, and then they realized what we were doing and it became this really fun, unique thing that they looked forward to every presentation. So that was really unique to us. And I think also our, our number one selling point is the fact that we 
gather the largest crowds. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a show called World Partner Conference, and it's it's a gigantic show. It's usually out in D.C. Sometimes they have it in Chicago, and we actually had the world's uh, the the largest crowd ever gathered in the history of the World Partner Conference. Mm-hmm. It was posted in all their magazines. It was posted on their website. It was uh, it had to be six hundred people deep. It was it was truly a sight to see, and we magically produced of all things our dog. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. We magically produced our dog, and to hear six hundred people all at the same time go, "Oh, it was so adorable," you know. And it, it was, it was, it was definitely a sight to see. So those are our unique, those are our USPs, you know. Just our ability to draw a crowd, and the fact that we, you know, myself as a female entertainer, and then ourselves as having that that very synergistic personality where we can do those banters back and forth and really capture the audience. So what what would you attribute uh, your being able to draw the biggest crowd to? How, how do you guys go about drawing crowds? Well, I can't give you away our secrets. I'll tell you that. Sure, sure there you <laughs> but, go. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, there's, a, there's quite a few things that are involved in drawing a crowd. And right. the number one thing is getting the person's attention and holding the attention. Um, it's one thing to, you know, say, hey, you know, you want to see something cool? You want to come over? Never ask somebody anything, yeah. you know, in magic, I'm sure, you know, majority of magicians will agree. You never want to say, do you want to see a magic trick? Mm-hmm. Because the answer will always be no. So you have to come up with very unique ways of getting, getting somebody's attention and holding it. So, uh, you know, the way that we do things is we, we grab people's attention, but we keep it active. So they feel that they can't step away. They can't leave yet because either they want to see what is going to come out of what I'm doing mm-hmm. or they are already involved, so they can't leave. And it, it's not quite a hostage situation, but it's it's a courtesy. You know, they've already volunteered to be involved by stopping and yeah. coming forward. As soon as somebody steps forward, subconsciously, they don't want to step backwards because they're part of a group. So once you have them step forward, you can keep them there as long as you need to. Mm-hmm. And we've put this into a science. We 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 know how to draw the the largest crowds just from doing that, and how to make sure that we don't talk to just one person. We don't talk to the the three people that we're doing the effect for. All of a sudden, we're doing the effect for the entire crowd, the entire audience. We'll use people from the far back, thirty people away. We'll use people, you know, on the other side of the room, and we bring them in. And all of a sudden, it becomes instead of just this small little thing at your table into a stage effect where I actually move from the table up to the stage and now it's something for the whole entire audience. And it, mm-hmm. it, it really does. It, it works very, very well. Okay. <laughs> Look out Joel Bauer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so what has been your biggest professional challenge so far and how have you overcome that? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say that the, well, I have two, you know, the, Professional challenge for myself personally is being recognized as a professional, Mm -hmm. as a female. Um, It did take some time and it took a lot of criticism. Um, I have even been, you know, bashed on social media for being a girl. Um, They would attack me personally and physically, also not like punch me or anything, but physically on social media about my body, about the way that I looked, um, and basically 
you know, they say I have no brains. The only reason why people are um, even paying attention to me is because of what I look like. You know, just they really they were trying to push me down and make me stop what I'm doing. You know, they intimidation was their technique. It didn't work, you know, but that was my biggest challenge was to be taken seriously and to be considered a professional. And I overcame that, which was great. Mm -hmm. But um, that was definitely one of my my strongest challenges. The other challenge as a, as a company uh, for Brian and myself was actually just getting the word out there about us because all of our success has come from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. For many, many years, we did not even have a website. Um, everything was just, oh, here's my business card. you know. And it was one company would refer us to other companies. And we would get these calls from random people saying, hey, yeah, the, the people over at Microsoft, Bob over at Microsoft, he said you were fantastic. I'd love to use you for a show. We have no idea who this company is, so we're on, the, we're on the Google and we're trying to look them up real quick. So, oh, yes, absolutely. And, we're, you know, so when we decided, okay, well, you know, times are changing. We need to develop a website, you know. Um, we developed this website. It was, looked nice, but we realized nobody was, nobody was going to it. So having to really reinvent ourselves to be more social media and um, computer friendly Mm -hmm. was our challenge. You know, we went through probably five or six different website uh, templates and designs to find the right professional one that worked the best, that looked the best. Uh, We went into color schemes. We went into the messaging. We didn't want it to be too wordy. We wanted to make sure that it was active and something that would catch your attention. Um, So that was our, that was our big challenge that we had. And, Mm -hmm. Eventually, we did. We overcame it. Our website is fantastic. We're getting hits um, left and right now, and it, it's definitely progressed, which is fantastic. But definitely, you know, that, that, that's a challenge for a lot of professionals is, you know, you, you develop a great website, but if nobody's looking at it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So you really, you really have to figure out how to get people to your website. Absolutely. Now, I have a couple of questions from uh, some of our listeners. Uh, the first one is by Phil Ackerley, and he asks, who has inspired you in your art? Uh, well, to answer Phil's question, my inspirations, one would honestly be my husband, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Campbell. He, Because of the fact that he taught me everything, and he really did. He He was the one that showed me that I could go as far as I wanted to go. Um, you know, it didn't matter what I wanted to do, no matter what I want to do, I can do it. As long as I put forth the effort, I can do it, you know? Um, and he, he has been my biggest inspiration. Um, other than him, I would say that I've been inspired by, um, my friend Banachek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's a fantastic, fantastic pre- uh, presentation. And, you know, he, um, his performances are astounding. Yeah. We've spoken many, many times and he always, he's, he's always willing to give you, um, constructive criticism. He's always willing to give you some sort of advice to further you and to inspire you. And that's exactly what he's done. I thank him for that. And um, I don't know if Phil is familiar with a gentleman named Johnny Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Thompson is very well known in Las Vegas. Um, he was the technical advisor for Chris Angel. He was technical advisor for Lance. He was technical advisor for David Copperfield. He was technical advisor for Penn and Teller. And, you know, um, Penn actually said there's two types of performers in Las Vegas, those who want to perform and those who worked with Johnny Thompson, you know, (laughs) and that's exactly true. He is an just amazing advisor. He has taken me under his wing. He has 
told me, you know, the ins and outs of professional performing and how to really maximize your stage presence. He's been a fantastic inspiration as well. Mm. Yeah. I have another question from Tim Rappel. Where do you want to be in your career in 10 years? Oh, Tim, that's a great question, actually. Um, In 10 years, my ultimate goal is I want to segue from doing trade shows into a motivational speaking uh, mentalism com- mm-hmm. combination. I, I want to actually incorporate my mentalism into a motivational talk that I can take around the country. And I'm going to use my, mentali- my mentalism as metaphors. I'm going to use some uh, hypnotic suggestions involved with the motivation. And I might actually actually in- incorporate a firewalk as well. I really want to motivate people. I want to change people's lives as much as uh, Brian has changed mine by giving me this opportunity to see what my full potential is and to grow as I have. So I want to be able to do that for others, you know, whether it's professional performers that are wanting to get into the business, whether it's a group of people that, you know, just are down on their luck. They don't know which way to go in their lives. They want to become something. They just don't know what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I want to pass on the success that I have to others and let them realize that they can do the same. Yeah. Okay. And now I'd also like you to tell us an interesting story that you've encountered during your performance career. You know, I think the most interesting, well, there's two, honestly. Um, The first one's not so interesting. I'll go into that one first. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were doing a a casino gaming convention. And, um, you know, during the conventions, you give out different things. You know, you give away all kinds of stuff. It's called swag. And we were giving away these t-shirts and there's, you know, they're, they're silly t-shirts, you know, nothing you're really going to wear. Yeah. (laughs) But this, this old gentleman, you know, you could tell he was really old. Like I would say 70, probably in the eighties, you know, when he walks by with this lady and he goes, give me a t-shirt just like that. And, you know, Brian was a little taken back because that's kind of rude. Mm -hmm. uh, Well, absolutely, sir. You know, let me just scan your badge here if you'd like to enter into our contest as well. And I'll gladly give you a T-shirt. And he goes, I don't need to sign in. He says, you don't have to scan me. And the lady started yelling at, at Brian, like really yelling at him. And she, you know, she used some profanity. I won't use it. But she went off and she says, he doesn't need to sign nothing. He doesn't need to be scanned in. Don't you know who that is? And by now, the old man started to walk away. Well, it turns out that was Henry Hill. <laughs> Henry Hill from Goodfellas, the um, as you would call it, the rat. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was Henry Hill. So that was that was an interesting encounter by <laughs> by <Wow>. far. <laughs> yeah, Henry Hill got denied a T-shirt. <laughs> denied. Yeah, sorry, you don't deserve one. <laughs> uh, but honestly, my I think my my most uh, my most shocking, inter- you know, interesting story was um, we were doing a performance for um, something called Str- Stars and Stripes. Mm-hmm. It's for Big Brothers, Big Sisters. It's down in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. And we always come down there and it's a charity event to raise money for children that are in need. And um, we we always do the gratis. It's always, you know, just volunteering. And we did our performance. And then right after our performance, another performer came in, but he sk- skydived in holding the American flag. And that was interesting enough, you know, and, you know, they, they played this wonderful American music, you know, in the background and it was very patriotic. He actually was uh, an airman with the army in a division called the black Knights. And I'm not quite sure what that is, but it was some kind of a special ops unit. 
Well, I didn't quite notice until he landed on the beach. But the gentleman that jumped from, uh, I don't know, 10,000 feet Mm -hmm. had no legs. What? He had no legs. During one of his jumps some years back, Mm -hmm. uh, probably I I think it was about 12 years ago, he collided with another diver. Okay. And the impact of that diver hitting him took off both of his legs. Oh, my gosh. And they were taken off, which which is just so shocking, mid-thigh. Not at your knee, mid-thigh. Yeah. It it was, I mean, just thinking about that kind of makes me cringe. You yeah. Know, just imagine how he landed after having that happen to him. How did he land? How did he survive that? You know, well, he did. And the thing is that he he didn't let that stop him. You know, um, he was he bandaged up and he said, well, uh, I'm not done with my service to the country. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you know, you're you're kind of going to have to be, you know, you're a double double amputee. Yeah. You know, and he said, no. So they made him these um, titanium special prosthetic legs. And he continued his career for an additional six years as a double amputee skydiver. Wow. That's amazing. It was absolutely amazing. He did not let his, his, I mean, this is a huge obstacle for him. Sure. You know, and it goes back to that, it goes back to that quote that I live by, you know, obstacles are those frightful things that you see when you're, you take your eyes off your goal. Mm-hmm. His goal was to finish, finish out his career that he set forth, you know, to serve his country. And he, he, and he did it. He did not consider him losing both of his legs, any kind of an obstacle. You know, he said, okay, this happened. Now let's move past it. Wow. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm, my eyes on the prize. And he yeah. kept it. most inspirational gentleman I think I've ever met, you know, just to have that kind of a story. And he, I mean, he honorably discharged, he finished his career and it was an absolute, absolute privilege to be performing with him. Wow. So uh, if you have an excuse, take it and, and you have no excuse, especially after hearing this story. <laughs> Absolutely. No, there's no excuse. If you want something, go get it. Yeah. You know, don't, don't let any obstacle get in your way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just, he, he was, he was just, I mean, the whole entire audience was crying and they had every right to, you know, I mean, yeah. just fantastic story. And, and what a guy and perfect landing, by the way, perfect landing. She, she stuck the landing. Of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right on the beach. Perfect landing. Yeah. And, and this wasn't a small little flag that he had on his, on his parachute. This was a full size American flag that he was carrying with him. You know, just absolutely wonderful gentleman. Wow. Absolutely. So we're here at the end of the show here, and uh, this is basically a place where I have you give out a few recommendations uh, to our listeners. And so the first thing I'd like you to do is recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners, and this could be anything from an iPhone app to something like a, a prop list for your show. Okay. Um, well, I definitely recommend as far as a um, something that I utilize mm-hmm. every day, and that would be LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a fantastic tool to use. Um, I highly suggest that you develop some kind of a profile. Make sure that you, you know, don't don't say that you're just a magician. Word it so that these people know that you mean business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll notice how I present myself, my profile. You can you can take pointers from that. I I don't mind. But make sure that you do. You you have to make sure that you make this. LinkedIn is for professionals. It's, it's like a professional's 
Facebook. Yeah. Okay, so so make sure that you do that. Make sure you hold yourself to that standard and really put forth your best effort to make yourself worthy of being in that business. Okay, you could put that you're a professional entertainer slash corporate presenter, which is great. It sounds wonderful and it sounds business. But if you say, I'm a magician, then they're going to think top hat, cape, and rabbit. Yep. So I would definitely highly recommend LinkedIn. All right. Now I'd like you to recommend two books, uh, one of them being a performance-specific book and then one outside the performance realm like a business or a self-development book. Okay. As far as a performance book, um, it's actually two books. Mm -hmm. uh, it's by Banachek, and they are called Psychological Subtleties, mm. one and two. Absolutely fantastic for any mentalist and actually some magicians as well. Um, it really gives you the hand up on a lot of different performances, on psychological forcing, on really making an impact during your performance. Just that little added extra, that just that wow factor. And he goes into some business as well. It, both of those books are fantastic. I read them in a weekend. Mm -hmm. that, and, and I go back to them and I read things and I learn another thing out of the book every time I read it. So I highly recommend those two books, Psychological Subtleties. Awesome. Um, for a book that's non-related to my performance, I, I highly recommend something called Verbal Judo. And as weird as that might sound, Verbal Judo, uh, it's actually, it's, it's the gentle art of persuasion. It's all about using your words to get to where you want to go. And the gentleman that wrote the book, his name is George J. Johnson. He actually, if you look him up on YouTube, I believe his lecture is actually on YouTube. It's an hour and 45 minutes long, and it's everything that he goes over in the book. And just listening to this, this gentleman talk, you realize, wow, I cannot believe how powerful your words can really be. And it, it helps you with your... Your selling topic, it helps you with any kind of obstacle that you think uh, or objection you think that your client is trying to give you. How to mm -hmm. get around that, how to keep them focused on the prize, you know, how to get them to believe that, yes, this is their idea. And in your personal life as well, it really does. It, it's all around just a fantastic book that I think you will learn a lot from. All right. And links to these resources will be provided in the show notes, and you'll be able to find that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Amazing Allison, and that's Allison with two L's. And uh, I will also include links to, um, to Brian Campbell's uh, lecture on the business of magic, as well as I'll try and find that uh, George Johnson lecture on YouTube. So all of all of this will be on the show notes. Now, Allison, I'd like you to do one more thing for us, and that would be to give a piece of parting advice to our listeners, as and then tell us uh, where we can find you online, plug your services, and any products that you might have. Okay. Um, if I if I can honestly have uh, the listeners take one thing from this entire interview, it would be. Never, ever, ever think that you do not deserve or that you cannot do something. If your goal is to get into mentalism, magic, if, if your goal is to get into trade shows, if your goal is to get into anything, don't ever think that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, honestly, there, there is no reason why you are unable to do it. You, if you put your mind to something, you can achieve it. And, and that, that's really what I want these listeners to take away from this is that, you know, I started out with absolutely no experience in this field, but I wanted to do it. And now I am 
as you say, you know, as, as most people say, I'm the leading female mentalist right now in the world mm-hmm. doing this, you know, and that's, that's a huge accomplishment. But you know yeah. what? That just stri- it makes you strive to go even further. You know, now where can I go? Now what can I do? It's very empowering. And I want those people to also be empowered and realize you are an amazing person and you can be everything you want to be. All right. And uh, tell us where we can find you online and plug your services and any products you have. Absolutely. Well, um, you can look me up on Twitter. I'm at Magic Alley, A-L-L-I-E. And let's see, my website is www.amazingallison.com. Also, you can check out um, showpros.biz. That's um, Brian and myself's website. That's our company. You can take a look at our trade show, um, all of our trade show pages. You can look at how our website was put together, some of the key messaging that might help you develop a website. Um, Let's see. Also, my Facebook page is Amazing Allison. And then I also have a separate personal page. I highly recommend that. Keep Mm -hmm. your personal page separate from your actual business page Mm. because you want to develop a client base on your page versus your personal page. Keep them separate. There you go. (laughs) Um, And then as far as my products go, I do have my lecture notes available. Everybody is welcome to email me, um, allison at amazingallison.com. Um, if you'd like to get a copy of those, uh, also, um, I happen to have a couple of different effects. Um, I helped co-create the, uh, flash tray with magic Smith. Uh, I also, um, created a phone number effect, very similar to Bob Kohler's phone number effect, uh, with quite a difference. It's, mm-hmm. it's very unique because you're actually able to move all your spectators around by somebody else's choice. And the phone number still remains the same, which is very shocking to a lot of people. Um, that's available. If you email me, it, it is only available by request. I do not, I do not market this. Okay. Uh, so very few people have that. Uh, also, uh, I, Co uh, coordinated with somebody named Eric Ross for something called Tricks Against Humanity, mm-hmm. and there's an effect called One Night Stand. Nice. <laughs> so you can also email me if you're interested in that. Okay. Now, um, the uh, that flash tray is that? Uh, did I see that in your promo video? Yes. That you use uh, yes, with the prediction. Mm-hmm. And those okay. are avail- those are available through Magic Smith. Nice. Um, he actually has those on his website if you're interested in those. Highly recommended. Very, very well put together effect. I, I like that. I, I think I might look into that myself. So, Allison, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much again for having me. And, um, you know, I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. And uh, if they have any other questions, feel free to email me. All right. Thank you, Allison. Have a great day. All right. This is Chris Shepard, your host, just wrapping things up here. Uh, the uh, Successful Performer Cast is not just a podcast. There are also some uh, some cool freebies and, and different things that uh, you can get online. For example, the free show booking and debrief sheet. You can get that at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash booking sheet. And also we have our Facebook group, which you can find at SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash FB group. It's a closed group, so uh, you need to request entry to get 
into it, uh, but I will absolutely let you in. So go ahead and do that. And also, if you're finding value in these podcasts, uh, it would really mean a lot to me if you go into the iTunes store and uh, give me a a uh, fair rating and review based on on uh, you know what what you think you're getting out of the show. So and also you know what, drop me a line ks at successfulperformercast.com and uh, also on the Facebooks and the Twitters and all that good stuff. So all right, keep in touch. Talk to you soon. Well, I can't give you away our secrets, I'll tell you that. (laughs)